Someday on the world tour, we'll be in Brussels, and the guys will be like, it's us. <laughs> Could you imagine if we did a world tour? That'd be crazy. We knew you guys before you were famous. Yeah, That's right. That's <laughs> they'd right. Be the, they'd be the, the hipster in the end for yeah. that. <laughs> you guys sold out if you did the tour. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Like, it's cool you're here, but boo, go back to being in America. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to another What in the World podcast episode on this fine Sunday evening, all of our faithful listeners from across the world. Um, tonight, we are super excited to have Mickey on with us. This guy, he's I'm reading his bio. I'm not going to steal his thunder, but reading his bio, this dude has, has been a part of a lot of things, and some of it is super cool, and he has a really cool program we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So, um not to steal his thunder, I'm going to go ahead and let Mickey introduce himself here a little bit, and then we'll just kind of jump right into it. Thank you, guys. Um, well, I appreciate that. I guess I, I've been around long enough and have been doing well enough to have too many things to touch on in a brief <laughs> intro, but I um, born and raised New Yorker, chose a path of self-education. Um, I could talk about doing martial arts, being a personal trainer. I've been in some very low-budget movies. I've written a bunch of books. Uh, I've done public speaking and activism. And I run a podcast now and a Substack. And one of my um, my favorite things that I do is, is that I run a program called Helping Homeless Women um, NYC for almost seven years, in which I do direct relief for um, homeless women on the streets of New York City. That's super. That's that's awesome. Um, and so yeah, mentioning that that program, um, a that's uh that's super honorable, and um, I love the fact that you're doing that. Just you know, putting a helping hand out into the community, um, that you grew up in. Um, super awesome. Just trying to be that change that you want to see, 
um in your in your hope tab it's really great uh what uh what drove you to kind of like start that where did that where was that kind of like stepping stone for that for that program for you well the the long version of that is that i was blessed to have parents that that um instilled me with that ethic of 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 helping people and always looking to see what you can do for others. Mm -hmm. um, growing up in New York City, homelessness has always been a presence. Right. And I just kind of instinctually would be someone, even though I've never had a ton of money, would try and give whatever I could to folks. And when I began writing, there was a, um, a publication called Street News that was primarily put out by homeless people in New York to try and get them jobs. And they would sell the paper, but they had some non-homeless writers who they considered to be like allies, and I was one of them. So it was an issue that I've always been involved in. But this particular program grew out of my frustration as a traditional activist, you know, the holding the signs, the chanting, the marching, and basically getting nothing accomplished. It was right. more, it turned into like virtue signaling. It, it's a very exhibitionist choice to make. Mm -hmm. And at some point, at more than seven years ago, I, I said I could be using this time so much more effectively and productively if I was to directly work with people. And I noticed that um, homeless women have it worse than homeless men in the sense that they're virtually invisible. It's, it, it, the men mm -hmm. in New York, at least, they'll let you know that you're there. They'll oh, come up to yeah. you and ask for money. <laughs> yeah, I've mean, been through the city a couple of times, so yeah. Okay, so you, so you know, it's, and I'm not saying that as a negative, mm -hmm. um, except for when they take over good spots that women have, panhandling spots and so on. So I realized that this was a vulnerable population, that if I could gain the trust of some of them, I could do something really useful by doing direct action and direct relief. That's amazing. So uh, to go a little bit further in that, what does your direct action and direct relief um, you know, kind of look like typically um, with like how you run, how you run your program? Well, when it started, I was a complete um, novice at it where I'm like, how do you do this? Right. So I would see on social media, people talking about, um, the concept of what they call blessing bags, where they would make a series of small bags in which it was the same items in each. Uh -huh. And it could be, let's say it was for women. It could be um, menstrual products, uh, socks, underwear, some snacks, like some, some, if it was winter, gloves and a hat, mm -hmm. summer, maybe um, sunscreen or something like that. So I began making these little bags and interacting with women in the city. I mean, in, when I say the city, in case people don't know, New York City's five boroughs. Yep. I've born and raised in Queens, but nobody outside of Manhattan, nothing outside of Manhattan is called the city by a New Yorker. If you live <laughs> right. in the city, you mean Manhattan. So when I say the city, that's what I mean. But um, so I learned from the women. I learned what they needed. When you make generic bags, a lot of times they don't need the stuff that's in there or it's redundant. And then you're wasting your time and their time. So Little by little, I began to get to know women as regulars, and I would know what they preferred, what they needed, and so I got into carrying these bags around. It, at some point, even that was not the most practical thing because their limit is to how much they can carry. So I shifted into getting um, gift cards to okay. local stores and restaurants, where it's quite a it's quite a, a relief for them that if it's super cold out or super hot out, they get to be indoors. Mm -hmm. They have a gift card. So let's, let's say it's a McDonald's. Um, they can use the bathroom because they're a paying customer. They can sit there and eat and for a few minutes not get 
judged or stared at. And they all told me this is this is ideal. I could hold on to it, use it when I want. And so I began just carrying smaller items or something very specific if I knew the woman. But the gift cards became something that I could carry with me everywhere all the time. Right. So if I wasn't going on a specific outing saying, I'm going to go look for a homeless woman, now I have them in my pocket. And so inevitably in New York, you cross paths with homeless people. And so I'm always prepared. And then came the pandemic where suddenly women that were panhandling in Manhattan, they were relying a lot on lunchtime workers or sometimes early rush hour, late rush hour mm-hmm. and tourists. So for quite some time, there were no tourists and there were no workers in right. the city. So they began moving out into the boroughs because that's where people lived. Now, I live in Queens just outside of Manhattan. Yep. And as it turned out, my neighborhood in Queens has a fair amount of homeless women now because it's relatively close to the city. And it made my life easier because I didn't have to even get on the train. I just walk around. Take, you know, it takes a couple of hours. Sure. And so I'm now doing it more local. But some women, because it's easier and easier over the years I've been doing this for them to have phones, mm-hmm. that's not unusual now to the, because it's, it's more accessible, um, they can create even Venmo accounts. So right. some of the women that I helped pre-COVID, who I am not in direct touch with all the time, because I get donations, I can send them cash via Venmo. And I know them for years, so I can trust that, you know, that it's getting to them to the best of my knowledge and being of good use. And I still communicate with them. I could talk on the phone. I could meet up with them at times. But so it's evolved two or three times over the years as as the circumstances evolved, but also, and this, is, this would be the main point in case anyone was interested in starting any type of helping program. It's just this sense of keeping an open mind of not believing that you figured out how to help because that has a different meaning in every single instance. And so I talk to, you talk to the people who, you, who are asking for help and find out right. what they need and what you can possibly supply. I don't have the resources to supply a home for them, but sometimes more important than anything else is to have a conversation and to be taken seriously and for them mm-hmm. to know that someone is actually thinking about them because it's a very isolated um, scenario and the women very often, you know, independent of each other, they will use the same word to say that they feel invisible. And so making someone feel less invisible is one of the best gifts you can give them. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That, well, that, uh, oh, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. I was just going to say that was going to be one of my questions coming in was, you know, I remember a couple years back, uh, I live in Omaha, and um, we have a program called Open Door Mission that really serves uh, a large population of the homeless community here in Omaha, which might be greater than some people think that it is. Um, it's not a New York-type situation, but we do have a, a large swath, a large population of a homeless community, and Open Door Mission around um, Christmas time had said, you know, I'd... I know that a lot of people want to help the homeless community, but please do not give money to the homeless population. Um, And it was a very controversial type thing. And their line of thinking was that a a large part of it would go to fund whatever uh, drug problem that they had. Um, You know, that, that sort of connotation that it would just fuel um, whatever vice that they had. And so, 
I always struggle because I do want to help the homeless community. I, I, I genuinely do. I was a person that gave to um, the homeless community, especially in a, in a dollar amount uh, before that. And now I always struggle. I, I don't want to be the jerk that doesn't help, but at the same time, I don't want to go and fund someone's, you know, drug or alcohol problem at the same time. And it's not even necessarily from a sense of like, I don't want to give my money to you to spend on booze, but it, I don't want to go and make that problem worse. So what, uh, and I think you might've already answered in like the sense of like a McDonald's gift card or something like that. What would be your advice on how, you know, somebody like myself could best help someone standing on the side of the road um, asking for donations that would not go to fuel, you know, maybe your drug or an alcohol problem? I would answer that in two ways. To, to focus on the drug aspect, that is a very common um, perspective that people have. And I have to not judge it. It is, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's how people um, view homeless people. I look at it that if I give anyone, I could, I could get a birthday card to someone, put five bucks in and mail them. It's no longer my $5. I don't know what they're spending it on. They could go out yeah. and buy whatever it is. So if, if you're giving someone a gift, in my mind, the, the concept of it is that you're not controlling what they do with it. Even if it's like mm. you give them a shirt and say, immediately put it on. Like you, it's not a gift anymore. You're, 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 you're creating this hierarchy that you're, you know, you're already, when I'm talking to the women and they're sitting on the ground and I'm standing, I try to squat down because it's already this mm -hmm. above and below um, dynamic where they're feeling um, spoken down to and judged. But I um, found that I could do more with the donations by spreading it out with material goods. But as I said, I'm not against giving donations. And at that point, I, I just say it's ultimately none of my business what they spend it on in the same way that that even if you have a job and they, it's payday and they give you money, how annoyed would you be if the boss said, all right, this is what you can spend that on or not spend it on. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I know plenty of non-homeless people, plenty of non-homeless people in my life who have had more than their share of substance issues or addictive issues or other things that they spent money on that society frowns on. So it's not exclusively a homeless thing, although now it's more recently it's become um, a bigger issue. So I, that, that's my perspective on it, but I simultaneously be like, yeah, it's all, it's, you're giving, so you have to give from your heart and from, like, I look at it like a triage nurse where mm. you, who's within your reach and what resources do you have and c that you can give them immediate help. So the, the main point of your question, what I've learned through experience is that if someone is holding a sign or sitting down as a sign in front of them saying anything helps, um, whatever the classic homeless type of signs are, you can walk up to them and say, what can I get you? Are you hungry? What's your favorite food? Is there anything around here? And you go online, order the food, come back and give it to them. Like you're taking time out of your day, giving them precisely the food that they want. Because the women will tell me, people quite often give them doggy bags. Not that they'll never eat it, but they're pretty wary of doggy bags. You've already eaten part of this food. Oh, there are yeah. people, at least in New York City, who will also give them food that is spoiled 
give them food. There was one woman who they, this, these group of guys gave her a slice of pizza. Before she ate it, she unfolded it, and there was a ton of hot sauce on that. Apparently, they were going to stand at a distance and laugh when Jesus. she choked on the hot sauce. Wow. So they, particularly women, um, in all walks of life, but certainly as vulnerable as homeless women, they have to have their guard up in a way that is hard for any of us three to understand mm -hmm. of what they're up against. So I try to introduce myself and ask them what specifically they want. And um, I had a woman just this past week who it was her 60th birthday. Oh, and wow. I've known her for a couple of years helping her. So I just asked her, you know, what would you like? And I put out a call on GoFundMe. And I tried to, um, if you check, anyone checks my GoFundMe now, it'll be the top update explaining how that went. And the reason why I did that is because nearly seven years of doing this, you hopefully learn something that, that people know what they need and know what they want. And even if they have a substance issue, they still need clean underwear, mm -hmm. um, a meal of their favorite food, um, gloves in the winter, whatever it might be, they, they'll still need these things. So you can... If you want to make certain as to what you're giving them, make, make eye contact, introduce yourself, make it clear that you're no threat to them, squat down to their level if they're sitting, and then say to them, um, I'd like to help, um, what could I get you, and, and go from there. And show up regularly. The more they see you, then they realize, oh, this, this person's for real. This wasn't a rando walking past who may be an awesome human being, but also maybe just looking for a, there's some pretty cruel people out there and they have yeah. to be protective of that. So uh, that, that would be my dual answer in the sense that I would encourage anyone to think carefully about the decision as of telling someone how to spend their money, but putting that aside in a box for a second, you can still absolutely um, just communicate human to human and find out what they need and the gift cards. If you're going to help someone on this particular street corner in Omaha, look around and see what restaurants are there. So when you give them the gift card, they don't have to walk 20 blocks to get to it. Yeah. Right? Like in New York, I don't know if Omaha is a walkable city and it's a walk <laughs> 20 blocks. But in New York, it's, like, it's a type of thing where if I'm going to give someone a Dunkin' Donuts card, I'm going to make sure that within half a block, there's a, a, a you know working Dunkin' or Donuts. Dunkin' or, so or Starbucks yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's plenty of Starbucks out there. So I live in I live in New Jersey, and I've been up to the okay. city a couple of times. Yeah. And I know there's a there's a Starbucks in at least every block, if not every half block. <laughs> there, you can't there. get as much for a Starbucks gift card as right. a Dunkin' Donuts gift card. Right. But sometimes that's the treat. The women will tell me, "Oh, you just gave me a ten dollar Starbucks card. I feel like I can get something really like one of those fancy coffees that yeah. they would never get under any other circumstance." Yeah, and it's a for a few minutes to just be like, feel like a big shot. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, and I, go ahead, Ben. I was going to say, I have a question just as kind of born out of some curiosity. So I lived up in the uh, smokestack of Idaho for a little while, not very far from Spokane, Washington. And uh, over there, they have, you know, they had a homeless problem as well, but they also had a problem with people um, that would just panhandle just to get tax-free money. And they did a whole um, news segment on it where they're like the news crew just followed this guy around and at the end of the day he turned the corner and got into a like a brand new bmw and just drove off um so i'm just curious to see you know uh how much of like or if you've had any experience um with that or know of it i'm i'm sure there's probably something but uh, in new york but maybe not as as prolific as it was in spokane when i was like in middle school 
I would I would imagine that that goes on in New York. Um, this is this is a fast talking con artist type of city, and yeah. there are people that will do that. Um, I would imagine that over the nearly seven years I've do this, done this, um, I've been uh, tricked a few times, mm-hmm. and there comes a point where I'm not going to vet people, right. and if someone is like sitting on ice cold asphalt in January and they have a sign and they're asking for money, I'm going to roll the dice and give them the money. And if one out of 20 times I participated in a scam, um, I, I guess I just have to live with that. When mm-hmm. it comes to the homeless women, what you will encounter, the homeless men very, very often in New York, almost all of them will carry a sign that says veteran. And yeah. I know there's a lot of veterans, but I don't know if there's that many veterans. At the end of the day, you have to kind of find your 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 corner, physically and, and metaphorically. Yeah. Uh, the women, I have encountered women who hold the sign and say pregnant. I don't always know if they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. If more than nine months passed, I know they weren't pregnant. And <laughs> right. I am not, I decided when I started this project that I am not going to ask for anyone's resume and details if they're homeless and I see them regularly I literally sometimes um, pre-COVID I would go to the the area near the big Macy's 34th Street Herald Square there was a lot of homeless women there and if I got there early enough I would sometimes find some of my regulars in their sleeping spots so there's they're not they're literally sleeping on the street now if some of them have a sign that says pregnant because that's the card they're playing to get some extra attention. I'm still going to put menstrual products in their bag just in case. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to ask them about prenatal care. If they bring it up and say, could you help me with that? That's different. Right. But uh, it, I'm, I'm recognizing that you, there are people living by their wits on the street. And the last thing they need is for someone who claims to be helping them to then be judging them. And, right. and they know it. I, I could tell you there was... There was this one woman I met near Bryant Park, which is near 42nd Street and 5th Avenue. And when I saw her for the first time, she's housed now, so I use her name, Tiffany. When I saw her for the first time, she looked in bad shape, and I introduced myself, and I gave her some stuff. And she clearly was taken aback by this dynamic and immediately started saying to me, um, you know, I'm trying to get in this program, trying to get up with a social worker, and if I could take these courses, I might be able to get a job. And I wished her luck on all of that, but I emphasized to her, you don't have to earn what I, I just gave you the bag of stuff. Like right. you could just say thank you and I could walk away and we're good. We ended up talking much more over the years that I knew her and she was a very interesting person, but that I made it crystal clear to her that, that she didn't have to prove to me that I didn't make a mistake. If she was struggling to the point where she wasn't doing anything to get off the street, and she was addicted, and she was afraid, and I'm still going to give her the stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not setting these. They feel like false parameters to me at this point. She's clearly struggling. She's, she's clearly a homeless woman, which is the mission of the, the, the whole concept here. Right. And so I recognized that I had to go into this with this blank slate, understanding that there were going to be, even in the most vulnerable positions, there were going to be people making choices I might not be in full agreement with, but that's the same thing in life. I, right. you know, family members or friends, where you'd be like, you're wondering what 
these choices they're making. So when, why am I all of a sudden going to assume this judgment? Like, it just seemed like judgment was going to just spoil the whole dynamic of what I do. Yeah. So I'm sure, to, long answer, I'm sure I've been scammed yeah. and I'm okay with it. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was just curious just because of, you know, the small interaction I had over there just because that blew me away when I was, when I was younger, I was like, wow, people, these, some of these people are just out here to do that. But I mean, I was young and naive at the time. It, it seems like, uh, again, and I love your perspective on it. You know, you're not going to let the bad actors or the bad apples, if you will, spoil the whole bunch, you know? Um, And that's so true of life as a whole, you know, um, to to put into perspective, my dad a couple weeks, or I guess it's been a couple months ago, you know, lady in the store who wants, um, you know, gift card because she is pregnant. And my dad says, okay, well, let's go and I'll fill up a cart, you know, diapers, formula, whatever you need, like, and let's go up to the checkout and I'll buy all this stuff for you. And she's like, well, I'm not really interested. You know, I just want money. And it's, you, you can't let that type of person who's clearly a bad actor spoil the entire bunch because you'll chase your tail for the rest of your life, especially in doing what you do. You know, you just have to kind of at some point in time take it in good faith that you're helping people and whatever they choose to do with that help is is on them and not on you, you know. So it it is what it is at that point in time. So and and people this is no commentary on your dad but someone could still have the option to just say all right let's say he was going to end up spending 100 bucks on the stuff she needed and she said no i just want money he could have just said all right i intended to give i'll give her a 20 and call it call it even like it it it's it's i don't i respect anyone's decision there what i don't yeah. respect what i've in, i've seen and i've had to defend some of these women um, but what what they've the stories they've told me is where where people in particular men because the dynamic puts them mm-hmm. in a higher power um, go out of their way to verbally assault and sometimes physically threaten or at least just walk by. Imagine someone's sitting there and they have a like a plastic coffee cup with yeah. a whole bunch of coins in it, and a dude walks by and just just takes it over. Just kicks it. Boom, like everywhere. So then he laughs his ass off as she's picking up all the coins off the street. So like to me, like that, I have, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and justify that. And no, you can't. I I used to say to people, if you ever see my name in the news, that'll be because I happened to be there the moment that happened. But how someone is to give, how, what, what their comfort zone is. I'm just thrilled to hear when they're choosing to give. And, um, I I don't know this, this, it's crazy to call this extreme, but didn't Jesus say on the Sermon of the Mount, give to everyone who asks? And that's mm-hmm. a big ask on his part, yeah. right? Give to yeah. everyone yeah. who asks. And if they take your coat, let them have it. And do I have that? Like, I think I'm paraphrasing to some degree here. The paraphrasing I, I, is pretty pretty accurate, yeah. Okay, so I sometimes say to myself, um, just put that stuff aside about getting scammed. But mm-hmm. you can, if, if you... To use both of your examples, if, if there's the guy getting in the BMW and no one's asking you to be a sucker, like yeah. I, I don't think like, he's clearly not operating from a place of honesty or need. And if, if a woman claims to be pregnant and you offer to buy all this pregnancy stuff and she says, I just want money, I would respect whatever decision you make. 
Like that, that's, those yeah. aren't, that's not an easy choice, but right. it's a personal choice. And your instincts were still, your father in this case, his instincts were, were, we need more people with those instincts who see someone and say, come on, come up to the thing. Let me, let me, let me just put out a spread here and pay for it because that's how it should be. Um, um, Dorothy Day of back to the Catholic worker, Dorothy Day once said, if you have two coats, one of them belongs to the poor. And that if we had, if we had more people thinking like that, I think we'd all be better helpers and givers because we'd all mm -hmm. be practicing more. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, it's, it's huge and it's important because you do have the people like the thought of putting hot sauce on a slice of pizza and giving it to a homeless person to stand around the corner and laugh at them. Like that's where you'll see my name in the news also, if I ever catch one of that, cause I will, that's <laughs> what an asshole, like, yeah. don't, you know, you can, you don't have to literally try to kick someone when they're down, you know, and it's, it's a shame cause you have the bad actors on both sides. You have the people that, that want to prey on someone in that situation. It's like, that is the scum of the earth to try to, like, I can't imagine, like, someone Whoa. that's hungry and yeah. I'm going to get some sort of enjoyment. Or, uh, that the, What, the what people, a shitty person. Yeah, the people that do that just for some reason have nothing better to do or want to feel <laughs> somewhat better about maybe the shitty life that they have. For some reason, I don't. Yeah. Know, I I can't understand it that much. I don't. I don't want to try to understand it. I will probably end up in the news with Alex um, when I <laughs> if I saw something like that. Um, and somebody's gonna have to. I'm gonna you call. It says the three of us are in the news. <laughs> we're we're yeah. gonna be a vigilante team. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be calling the I'll be calling the bank of mom and dad to for bail money to get out. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I know that uh, uh, Mickey, you don't do this for uh, you know for people t telling you or you know espousing your virtues of of you know uh, the help that you're doing, but I do respect it a lot. Um, and it is I very very commendable that seven years strong you've been going at it, and uh, I can't imagine this the the positive impact that you've had on those people's lives. Um. And vice whether, versa. And vice versa. Yeah, I mean, you can learn a lot from, from those people and just listening to their stories. Yeah, the stories I'm carrying in my head, I never thought I would know. To find out why some of the women wound up on the street mm -hmm. and so many of them relate to domestic abuse, mm -hmm. I would never betray their privacy. But there's a right. part of me that kind of wishes I didn't have the stories in my head. But I, I, yeah, and I appreciate how you phrase that. And I try to say to people a lot that, that, um, there's only two reasons why I talk about it publicly. One is because I need funding. Right. And I'm not right. into that. But also, I'm excited to share what I've learned because I meet a lot of nice people like the two of you who want to be givers and helpers. And if I've been doing this for seven years, I hope that, that I have something to share. Mm -hmm. And so I've had people say, make comments to me because I promote, I have a little blurb on my um, podcast about it. and. And I'm like, well, I don't understand how you expect me to fund this. And I'd like to expand it. Like, I, I, I um, just a quick segue. I sometimes really enjoy going to YouTube and watching the videos where you find like a family that had a fire or something, yeah. and they are at their lowest, and the the community chips in and and they take them out for the day. When they bring them back, the whole house is redone, and yeah. the kids have 
under the Christmas tree. And I, my dream is to have a program where I make enough money to create those type of, to me, they're nothing short of miracles. Because, and, and I, I had an experience recently where I was walking around my neighborhood and I passed by a small building where the first floor had wood over the windows. Clearly there was a fire there, Mm -hmm. but somebody wrote on the wood, the num the, the URL of the GoFundMe to help the people inside. So I took a picture and kept going about my day. When I got home, I, I found the picture on my phone. I said, oh, and I typed it in and it was a legit GoFundMe. And what happened was this woman lived with her cat. The cat tipped over a candle and got burnt. So mm. she grabbed the cat to save it, not worrying about the apartment. She saved the cat and the apartment burnt. And they had a goal of like 3500 bucks on GoFundMe to pay for um, vet bills and just some basics for the woman. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I, on my, um, on my Substack, I wrote, I donated money first. And then I, I wrote a post saying, Hey, it, you know, if you ever wonder how to perform a miracle <laughs> without being divine, right. I said, let's just try this. And so I had them, had people share it. And long story short, they, they were at like 2,700 and they needed 3,500. And then within a day or two, we were at 4,500. And I loved the idea that the woman who started the GoFundMe, she also lived in that building. It was her friend. Mm. That And I run a GoFundMe. I know when all of a sudden the emails start coming in. I'm like, oh, yeah. you shared my mm-hmm. link. Yeah. Like, there's this moment where you double your money and you instinctually say, I don't know what happened, but it was a miracle. Mm-hmm. And then I think we need to recognize that's a miracle. Like someone worked, like a miracle was worked through you. And if I had my way and it's something I want to work on, I would, I would continue helping the homeless women, but I would expand it to be a bigger project like that because I did the activist thing and Mm -hmm. I tried to change society. And I don't mean to be cynical. I just also mean to recognize that that's not where my power lies. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that I have immense power on this small level, and it, and I say small only like to describe it, like right. not to put it down, and to to have the delusions of grandeur that marching in a march or holding up a sign or or changing your profile picture color on Facebook is yeah. going to change the social issue. It's 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 not going to do that. And so I say the amount of time putting aside the picture that takes one minute, but there's right. people once included who spend a lot of time in traditional activism and don't have the results to show for it and so i realized all right my heart's in the right place uh, my energy wasn't and mm-hmm. so i just refocused it and i feel like um i want to i want to expand it and i want to encourage people because sometimes you talk to people and they'll tell you a story about how they were at this low point and then something happened out of nowhere and they'll call it a miracle. And I'm just like, well, why don't we, why don't all of us more actively facilitate that? Mm-hmm. Because however you want, depends on whatever your, your, your stance in terms of being that God is working through you or you are just be the one to, however you want to look at it, the end justifies the means right. that in this particular case, this woman and her cat, doubled their money within like two and a half days or something. And I just said to myself, I was so excited. I said, this is what I want to do. And I have to figure out more ways to, to elevate that because the fundraising is the hard part. That's yeah. the tricky. Yeah. Part. Yeah. It always well, and, is. And uh, it's funny. You said, 
you know, it, it can be a, a real life miracle because in my head immediately I start thinking that's that's like a real life, you know, not to say that you're an angel from heaven type of situation, but that's like a real angelic type of of help, you know, to to be able to be able to bestow a miracle on someone, you know, that's as close to being as angelic as you could possibly be. And I, I feel like that's what a lot of us are trying to do is to just try to help people, but you don't know how. And without the means of someone helping you to help someone, you it, it's just not real, really feasible on a day-to-day type situation. So it's yeah, and it's re- really cool. It could start on a very micro level, but again, I'm saying very micro, not as a denigrating. It's just right. just as a description. If you had Let's, since we're talking about homeless people, um, if you saw the same homeless person on your commute every day, you could just say to yourself, I'm going to figuratively adopt this person. I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to introduce them. I'm going to find out what they like. I'm going to see them as many days a week as I can. People do that with, um, with stray animals. Some of the best activists in the world are fat ladies. They are so dedicated. <laughs> they go yeah. So the rain and if they're sick they still go out and they're the ones that if someone finds a hurt cat they go find the cat lady on the block because she has the answers <laughs> she could, knows they yeah could, they could teach the activists a whole lot about helping because they have a mission and there's and and they're not when you're an activist quite often you fall into this mindset where i don't want to just feed one homeless person because all i'm doing is tending to a sim- symptom instead of taking on the whole system mm-hmm. and I learned the hard way because I used to have that mindset that that symptom is a human being and that yeah. person does it. And, and I've had women, there was a woman who used to sit on the sort of the upper, like where the upper east side beats the upper west side. And they've had a lot of women's marches in the city over, over the past five, six, seven years. Yeah. And she told me once about how she had to, she was moved by the cops from her regular spot because it was the women's march. And then the women were walking past him, you know, with the pink pussy hats and the, and the signs and doing the activist stuff. And nobody was giving her money. Mm. And I just said to myself, there it is. And I'm not condemning those individual women. But if you needed, right. if you needed a snapshot of what works and what doesn't work, that was it right there. Yeah. And so yeah. that was that was the final push for me where I, I like to think that I've helped people a lot of my life. I'm not in an organized way like I do now. But once I recognized that I was wasting so much of that angelic, you know, intuitive interest that I had Mm -hmm. on trying to save the planet. And I'm like, it's, it's delusional on because I, because I'm kidding myself and because I have this time where I could be doing something useful on a regular basis. And that's, that's really what I try to say to people is you're way more powerful than you think you are. And you can, and if you t- pick one person or one cat or whatever it might be to start, you'll get the bug and you'll be like, oh, I want to do this more often. Right. Yeah. Well, and the juxtaposition of that is just crazy. I was, you know, that example. There's a women's march happening, right? Everybody's kind of just like, oh, rolling their eyes. Oh, boy, here we go again. They're marching with their hats and whatever. Like, what are they chanting about this time? As they walk past another woman who is in need and no one's helping. So I've, yep. I, uh, it, it, it just the the, the the basically I guess kind of like the hypocrisy of it just right there in one singular snapshot is just uh, it's 
outst- it's just I don't know outstanding but, is like a weird word to use it, but it's just it's crazy, right? So I kind of I I I kind of hope and wish that more people would kind of do what you did, you know, take a look and go, okay, this activism marching thing isn't working. Let's be more active um, in yeah. doing something rather than being passive. And I think maybe now, and this could be more uh, just a very cynical mindset that I have, but the the signs and the marching and that stuff. Uh, I feel like people nowadays more just do it as kind of like a, you know, like you said, virtue signaling and something that kind of just makes them feel good and makes them feel good about themselves. Cause like, Oh, I participated in this rather than doing it out of, you know, doing something more active out of the kindness of their heart to actually help the cause that they're virtue signaling for. And, and the ones yes. like you and the ones that come to that realization are the, are more so the unseen and unsung heroes of, getting things done that need to happen as opposed to the, the one standing on the street corner yelling with a sign in their hand. And, and they could do both. Right. I mean, if, if you get something out of marching, I've marched. It can feel powerful to be with a group of people all chanting the same thing. It's a little cult-like, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. There is that feeling of almost like being at a sporting event when everybody jumps up when a home run is hit or mm-hmm. what, like there's this, like, um, this collective power but the march ends at some point, and then you can march in a women's march. You can march straight to a domestic abuse shelter, and everybody donate money. Mm-hmm. You could you could march somewhere right afterwards and just say, "All right, I did this part, and I did this part." But we we know that during the march, and I'm not just picking the women's march. Right. Course, like all the marches, there they got the selfies going, and when they 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 they're putting up the pictures on Instagram and Facebook, and mm-hmm. and it's who got the coolest pictures at the march. And so I can't, and again, I'm saying this out of embarrassing experience in my life where I, I took part in a lot of this stuff. And I will say with all honesty, I really thought initially this is how it's done. And then you catch on and you just say, at some point you hope you catch on. Yeah. You know, in any other aspect in life, if you, if you went to the gym every day and did a, a workout and you didn't make any project progress, you would catch on and change, right? Like if right. you coach yeah. that, and your team lost every game, you might change your game plan at some point. But activists, year in and year out, they do the same, same thing, thing and they have no progress to show for it. So I just had to walk away. It's there's, a while back, but I had to walk away. Yeah. There's uh, another event, I think they call it the Oscars every year, where they round up a bunch of homeless people around the Oscars to get them all out of the streets. And then um, a lot of famous celebrities go to the Oscars and talk about power to the people and how we need to help everyone and how we, you know, we really need to invest more money into, you know, the the people that need it the most. And then it's weird because then the Oscars will happen again this year and the same homeless people are all sitting outside again. And it's, you know, it's the strangest thing, you know. It is, but there's... But maybe yeah, hopefully, the <laughs> yeah, the Oscars, right? They give out the the trophies and the cere- There's a bunch of rich people there, and academies in there, something like yeah, something like yeah, that. something like people that. get yeah, slapped yeah. in the face. Yeah. I don't know. Um. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Um. And and I do want to talk about your podcast and some of the guests you've had on because um, there's a lot of very intriguing names. So I don't want this all. T- and I know we have a tight hour, so I don't want to just talk all about homeless people and uh, again as as many strides as you've made and and genuinely on that topic 
anything that we can do or this podcast or Ben and I can do individually to help you, please keep us in the loop because we would For love sure. to and like to, I said, to help I'm as much as possible. An hour and a half train ride away from the city, so give me enough heads up and I can take I can take some time and get hands on. So Okay. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, on your podcasts, um, you've had some some big names and some very interesting names. Um, Dr. Robert Malone is one that um, is most intriguing to me. Um, uh, of the people you've had on your podcast, who would you say have been some of your favorites, the most intriguing, the best conversations? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I know. <laughs> And I'm, I hesitate because when I share this, I don't, you know, the people you wanna, that I know, I don't. Start uh, ranking your guests and have one come back and be like, what? I wasn't the favorite. How dare you? <laughs> uh, but, all right. So to follow your lead, though, I'm not going to, I'm not ranking best to worst. Right. It was fascinating to interview people like Dr. Robert Malone or Vandana Shiva, people who have a global reputation. It, yeah. It, the, when you're prepping for that, it is, there's like a little bit extra pressure in there. <laughs> And, and yeah. um, I find that what's, what's, I could say with, with all honesty is that w like this, once it's go, you're just talking to another human being. And mm -hmm. sometimes the, the only tricky part of somebody having a reputation is getting them booked, like get, getting right. it's the logistics of finding the time where it all clicks, which it, it, I say tricky, not even frustrating. But once you start talking, it, um, podcast is just a, a fascinating medium where it seems like a great equalizer. If you're like you guys, if you're, if you have something to say, you're a good conversationalist, whoever comes on your show, I'm sure you just kind of settle into like a good time. Mm -hmm. And I find that regardless of who I've had on the show, for the most part, it's kind of just been, ends up being a fun conversation that when we wrap up, you're thinking like, oh my God, I could have went another hour. So <laughs> we've it, had it, that it, so many times. Right? Yeah. And, and to me, that's one of the greatest moments. But I would just say that, that when I, I switched to, I came onto Substack because of the censorship and el everything elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's been a platform that's allowed me, because a whole other side of me that has, I don't know if it has nothing to do with the with the helping side. I mean, we could get in some philosophical connections. Is I've always been a, a writer. I because I do believe that because I'm self-educated, that I've gotten I developed some skill at at um, seeing through propaganda and not being so easily mm -hmm. um, sucked into what's happening. And I think that could be because I didn't go to a traditional um, school or anything like that. But the the the, the Substack I write every day. And that's why I identify mostly as a writer. Usually once a week, I get, I do the podcast and get it out. And it's been a chance for me to, to, to reach a whole new audience and to learn a whole new skill. I don't know what you guys were doing prior to starting this, but I had no podcasting experience at all. And the great thing about this medium is that it doesn't feel overly daunting. You say to yourself, if I can get a modicum of skills, I can then learn on the job. You mm -hmm. know, it's like I'm not suddenly saying I'm going to play concert piano. Like it just like this, like you're saying, I could do this. And it's not denigrating podcasting. It's just right. it's such a welcoming field where you just you, if you're curious and you like talking and and you could you could figure out enough tech stuff. And that's what I did. And so I've been fortunate to have a bunch of really, really interesting people 
on a wide range of topics. And I kind of feel like I'm a little bit at a turning point where I'm trying to decide where I want to go with it because I've been doing this for almost two years. And because of the what's going on in the world, in the early part of when I was doing it, it was still deep into the pandemic. And so a lot of what I did related to that time period. And I don't want to ever pigeonhole myself into one area. And so I feel like I'm a, a bit of a turning point where what else do I want to do with this? But overall, I would say that, that um, I mean, I could answer more specifics about specific guests if you ask, but, but um, Dr. Malone, for example, just was a friendly, nice guy. And we, um, he, you know, when you think about the logistics of being a podcaster, he showed up on time. We did the interview. He answered the questions. We did it in a certain time period. Like he satisfied all the podcasting needs at the same yeah. time that he was interesting and friendly. And you just say, all right, bravo. Like that, that was a, a positive experience. You know, it's, it's a, well, and that was all the experience that Ben and I had coming into this also, um, was we like talking to people and Ben's the tech guy. I don't know anything yeah. about it. I'm like as boomer as it comes when it comes <laughs> to like, I, I've unfortunately learned more about audio feeds on a computer than I ever wanted to ever know. Um, it's the but, worst and most difficult thing to set up for podcasting is routing audio the right way. And I, <laughs> I, I put Alex through a crash course trying to teach him how to get it right and stuff on there. I had a little bit of previous experience. So I was, I did Twitch just streaming for a little while. So I kind of knew how to set things up mm-hmm. like that. But other than that, we've been doing this for what three years now and it's just evolved nice. and, and changed uh, as we've gone through our first, you know, uh, three years uh, now. But yeah, we've definitely learned a lot. Much, but how do you guys know each other, New Jersey and, and so? Um, I am his brother-in-law uh, was one of my best friends in college, um, and he's hit my hit my best friend started dating his sister, um, and so I pretty much met Alex through through um, his sister. I met him a couple times, you know, at a couple of parties or whatever, and we chit chatted, but we hadn't really like got to know each other uh much and then just as the years went on i got more you know with those two like we're good friends so more and more interactions with alex and then uh it was really during covid i think when we all were like gaming a bunch together because you know locked down so we didn't have much else to do um just our friendship kind of developed more through that and we started you know having a lot of conversations over uh while we were gaming just about whatever's going on in the world and stuff you you also gloss over the fact that I was going through a very big breakup during uh, this time. Yes, um, true. And, t- and tailing off of that breakup, uh, Ben was going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were... And this is when the world shut down. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, there's no bars to go to. There's, you know, this is literally Ben and I developing a friendship over Call of Duty. Oh, Call of Duty and, and shared shared heartbreak and trauma. Because um, once yes. the gaming would end, we'd sit there and still text each other, uh, just checking in to make sure the other one was doing all right. And then one day we were gaming with some friends and one of them was like, you guys talk a lot of shit about a lot of stuff just start a start a podcast already 
And so we said, so we said, it was screw it. Why, why not? So we did. And it was uh, literally some random guys that we had gotten paired up with in like a Call of Duty lobby. It wasn't, it was one of my, it was one of my Twitch viewers from when I used to stream. Oh, he was, well, there you go. He was playing with us and he was like, just start a podcast already. Yeah. And he's like, I'd, (laughs) I'd listen to it. And so we said, all right, screw it. Why not? And, uh, it evolved. We started our, our humble podcast here talking about, current events basically you know what both sides of the news and propaganda were saying and we kept trying to you know find the middle and where's the truth and all of this and pushing that out and uh after about a year and a half two years of that we said we have to change something we're tired of it it's wearing us down it's the same doom and gloom over and over and over again and so january of this year we said we're changing it what we're gonna do now is we're gonna find interesting people and we're going to talk to interesting people and figure out what their story is. And if we can help get the word out about their stuff, awesome. If not, then cool. We had a really sick conversation with somebody and got to get to see some some more people about, you know, in the world. And it's been it's been really it's been it was fresh and it's been awesome. And it's just kept the, the fire alive for us doing this since since January. And that- it's been great. That is really well timed. I, I have two quick responses to that. Sure, sure. One is, I I love the idea, and I see myself moving in that direction where I don't have to have an agenda when it comes to booking guests, mm-hmm. and I got to be comfortable that if some listeners um, aren't happy with that shift, I can't make everyone happy anyway. But I think it's going to bring in more people to have these kind of conversations, and then to tie it to you asking me about the Substack and the podcast, it's. Basically what you said, where I um, I come out of left activism, mm-hmm. and then the left sort of abandoned me. I don't feel like I changed that much. And then I started writing and podcasting from a very skeptical point of view over the past three years plus, mm-hmm. and the people that were attracted to me might traditionally be called conservative. Mm. And suddenly... I have this very unique audience and this very unique experience where I've spoken to and interacted with a pretty broad spectrum of folks. And and I declared myself ideologically a free agent where I, I, I don't want to be part of a hive mind ever again, yeah, as, I, no. as I mentioned before. But if people checked out my Substack, they're going to, I would warn them that they're going to be, I don't cover any one topic. I've had subscribers say to me, I never know what I'm going to get because I post every day. They say, I never know what I'm going to get from you. Um, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, I'm going to post about the woman who's, the homeless woman whose birthday it was. But then the next day, I think it's going to be something far more politically radical. But I, I feel like people will be challenged mm-hmm. and people will disagree. But if they're willing to stick with it and recognize that I'm not preaching to anybody and I'm not telling you what you should think, but I'm really urging people to not fall into groupthink, and mm-hmm. and because a big disappointment for me was that when I suddenly was interacting with people who seemed to be from the right, which earlier in my life I would dismiss as the enemy without even giving them a chance. I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm just I'm stating facts. And now I interact with these folks, and some of them are awesome, and we we have we inter- we connect as human beings. But I find in an activist sense the same tropes exist all across the spectrum they believe different things but there's a lot of confirmation bias and there's a lot of hive minds and i just I try to encourage people to just to be cliche about it to think outside the box and so if anybody clicks on my Substack, you know that 
it's 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 not a necessarily a happy-go-lucky place all the time because mm-hmm. I take on tough topics and I take um, unique stances for the, to put it mildly. But I'm I'm always willing, you know, to to interact with people and see what they think and and I love the open-mindedness of what you got like the whole story like the open-mindedness of meeting you know it's sort of ha- like a happenstance of meeting right. and then gaming and then interacting and then taking the suggestion and then set- starting a podcast with a mission and then reversing court not reversing just switching gears and saying let's try something yeah. else All yeah. that to me is inspirational it's, yeah. it's a great example oh, i appreciate it and that's you know Part of why we switched the gears on it was to do like what you said to just show people that we have a lot more in common with other people than what we would be led to believe, which is a good transition. And this question definitely fits this week. Um, it's a question. It's a loaded question, so I'll key you up with that. But it's one that we started this year. Uh, Alex started this year at the beginning, but um, we ask it to the majority of our guests that come on as long as the conversation kind of flows in a way that fits it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I'll let Alex ask it because um, it's kind of his little brainchild baby. You do it to me every week and it's at the, I'm like, it's such it's, a loaded it's question. It's such a loaded question to, it's end okay. an, to end an episode on, but I, I, I love ending the episode on it just because, and I'll, I'll get into it after you answer, but we, I have started asking everyone, um, what do you think our purpose as a humanity is here? What? Why do you think we're here? What's our purpose? You know, it. Part of the reason why we started this podcast, at least I did, was to talk to other people, because at the end of the day, I always find myself asking, like, why am I here? Why am I this massive matter that sits on this planet? Like, there has to be more than just, like, I'm an accident of cells that collided, and now my parents are my parents, and they procreated, so now here I am. You know, it has to be more than an accident. So if you and your best estimate, and I think part of the allure of this question to me is nobody has the real true answer. You know, there's never going to be like a a fact in cement like, oh, well, Mickey Z answered the question. We don't have to ask this anymore, you know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So if, if you had to estimate in your best guess, you know, why we're here, what our purpose is, what we're all supposed to be striving towards, you know, what what would you say? I want to first say that I listened to a couple of your episodes, so I knew this was coming. <laughs> there was no surprise. Dang it. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> you were like, how do I? So I went to the source. My initial question, I have something written right here in front of me. I went Came to the prepared. source. Right? He's prepared. The first guest that's prepared. <laughs> oh, and, and the, the glasses come on. Studious. <laughs> buckle up. Buckle up, everyone. It's very short, but I, the Old Testament answer is Micah. We're here to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. And the New Testament answer, which goes back to the miracles, we are mm-hmm. here to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. And I believe we are here for this purpose. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and there's a, there's no accidents that we're here. But to answer it on a more um, personal level, I feel all the three of us, for example, share all of that. Made in mm-hmm. God's image, we're here. We're here to to um, try to emulate 
what the original goal was, how humans were supposed to live on this planet. But I do believe, and I feel pretty confident saying this, that each of us have variations of why we're here. There's mm -hmm. things that there's points where we intersect and there's points where we don't. And as I mentioned during this conversation, I feel like um, as a writer and podcaster and public speaker, one of my purposes is to encourage people to rediscover the subversive pleasure of thinking for themselves, of just challenging narratives, challenging conventional wisdom, and to make sure that their thoughts are their thoughts and they're not being implanted in them by media, now the internet, and smartphones mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But perhaps the bigger mission is that um, having been blessed with such wonderful parents and being encouraged you know, and I did go to 12 years of Catholic school. I didn't go to college. So as, as at times, that could be very frustrating mm -hmm. in Catholic school. And I feel like my personal opinion is that the administration missed the boat in, in engaging us more. As I learned more on my own later mm -hmm. on about my faith, I was like, why didn't they teach me this when I was in? I would have I, I loved it. But I had a lot of, a lot of influences in my life that I believe lead me to the fact that that I'm was I'm definitely here. One of my purposes is to help people, to encourage people, to help help them believe in themselves. Even when, when I talk about being a personal trainer, a big part of that is that face-to-face -face interaction and giving people confidence. And I feel confident in myself and that skill. Mm -hmm. And so I I like to make people aware of how powerful they are because society as a whole can beat you down and can make you try to just go through the motions. And I, I try my best to inspire people to not squander this gift of life. Right. Well, and there it is. And I'm sure since you've listened to a couple of episodes, you've definitely heard me say this before. But again, that answer kind of in the same way matches up with many of the other answers that we've gotten. Where essentially, and you said the phrase, because I always listen for it every time, uh, help people. Yep. Help each other. And that for the most part has been what everyone that we've asked that question to says every time in some way or another, but at the end of it, it all ends up boiling down to just helping each other, helping it, whatever that form takes you, you know, with your, how encouraging is that? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's been really great just to, and that, you know, it goes into this, the, the thing where we're not so different. We all, at the end of the day, we want to help each other. Unless you're that shithead that kicks over the poor person's cup of coins that guy but can, he's still not beyond redemption. He's but not, he but could, he could use a good ass kicking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get the beating yeah. of the helping the people into him. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so when yeah. and I, I don't want to go too much further into this because I know we're out of time. But if the shoe was on the other foot, that person would really realize how shitty of a of an action that mm -hmm. was. And for some people, they just don't realize that until they're put into those shoes and so to put them into the shoes of a good ass kicking might be able to give them a perspective of <laughs> oh shit maybe i shouldn't be such an asshole you know <laughs> be yelling, help, help. <laughs> yeah exactly. no i'm gonna kick over your fucking coins yeah. yeah yeah exactly all right all right so with that we'll we'll wrap up i'm gonna take uh too much more of your time, Mickey, but thank you so much for coming on tonight and spending this hour talking. Pleasure. It was wonderful to um, talk with you, get to know you a little bit. Like Alex said earlier, if you ever need anything, help with anything, please, you have our contact, you have our Discord, reach, reach out. 
um, let us know. We have plenty of our other guests um, still in the Discord server that I'm, I'm sure would be more than happy to help as well. Um, and and we will be taking a tour back around. I, I really do want to have another tour of guests that we've had on um, come back around, and I will definitely put your name on that list. Um, yeah. I've, I've loved all of our guests. Um, you're definitely one that sticks out in my mind that I would love another hour to chat with because there are some questions I didn't get to ask. And uh, a pleasure, man. I, I love you very much. I, I truly do. Yes, yeah, sir. Thank you very so, much. That means a yeah. lot. Yeah, thank you for coming on and uh you're you're a welcome guest on this podcast anytime you'd like to come on. Thank you. All right. Yeah, have a good one, Mickey. Thanks again and uh much love to you, brother. Love you, buddy. Love you too. All right. Are we on the and yeah, yeah we're good okay we're cool good. yeah um, cool. that yep. was great guys thank you yeah no thank worries you. I, really I haven't had a podcast where i talked that much about the project and and just the concept of helping and it just it feels good it feels it...